Hey everyone, I'm Anne Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 29. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader, what should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, though, have you signed up for the What Should I Read Next newsletter? Just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter and subscribe there to make sure you don't miss out. Subscribers are getting updates in their inbox about every other week with news on the show, peeks behind the scenes, links for the literary life, and more. Readers, on our recent Ask Me Anything episode, I got lots of questions about recommending books for kids. When it comes to children's recs, I rely on people who know children's books, and Literati Kids sure does. Literati Kids is a book club subscription that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, handpicked by experts. They tailor each box with age-appropriate selections for children aged 0 to 12, and around themes like mystery, adventure, and history. My 10-year-old loved his Literati box and found several new favorite authors among their personalized selections. In addition to the books your child receives, Receives artwork from world-renowned artists, personalized stickers, and other fun goodies in each monthly box. Go to literati.com slash readnext for 25% off your first two orders and pick your kids' book club today. Remember, no one else has kids' book clubs like these. Only at literati.com slash readnext can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids' books curated by experts delivered to your door every month. That's literati.com slash readnext. Today, my guest is Stacey Loscalzo, a mother of two girls, book reviewer, and former reading specialist in New Jersey, just outside New York City. Stacey always has a book going, and she's looking for titles that will compel her to read when she has 10 minutes to spare, instead of checking Facebook. Like most guests, Stacy had a terrible time narrowing it down to three favorites, and I had so many ideas for her, I had just as hard a time narrowing down my recommendations, but we figure it out. Let's get to it. Stacy, welcome to the show. Hi, Anne. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I am just thrilled to talk to you today about uh, books and reading. Stacy, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a wife and a mom. I live with my husband and our two girls who are 10 and almost 13. We live in northern New Jersey in Ridgewood, which we like to say is right outside of the city. I used to think I, I went to summer camp with a bunch of people from New York who always called it the city, which I found so strange. And now that I'm here, that's what we do. Now it's you. So it's sort of funny. Um, and I, as my kids are getting older, I'm doing a couple of different things. I'm a book reviewer at a blog called Great New Books which has been such a great experience. I write with 10 other women and some of us know each other in real life, some of us don't. And we review a new book every Wednesday, which has been super fun. And I write at a personal blog as well. But I will say as my kids are approaching those teen years, I've cut back a little on that because my internal editor has turned into my teenager who does not (laughs) want to be written about. Okay. So I've cut back a little bit there and have started doing something totally different. I'm working with the doctors who created Proactive and I'm marketing skincare for anti-aging, which is a whole new spin for me. But I was excited to have my brain work in a new way and and learn something about the business side of the world. So yes, I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before kids. I was a speech therapist and did a little bit of work as a reading specialist. Mm -hmm. So 
I read lots of grown-up books for sure, but I still love reading kids' books, and I'm still reading picture books, even though my girls are are beyond that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, his children's books are a big part of of my reading life. Yes. So, what does your reading life look like right now? What role does reading have in your life? Well, this is a question I always love listening to other guests on your podcast because it I have such a clear role reading has been such a big part of my life forever that I find it funny when I hear that people talk about seasons of reading. For me, I think I've been fortunate in that it has always been a priority for me. I grew up with a mom who was a huge reader and a grandma who was a huge reader. So I've been read to since I can remember and have just always had a book. You know, I'm one of those people, if I finish reading a book right before I go to sleep, I have to start the next book, Mm -hmm. even if it's just a page or two, because Mm -hmm. I get really anxious if I don't have a book nearby. So I read for sure at night and definitely sort of, I try to read during the day more than more than I am. I'm finding that other things are getting in the way during the day, but I try to find a a couple of minutes during the day as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. It sounds like it's almost a touchstone for you. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know how this works. Tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and we'll talk about what you should read next. Stacey, let's start with your favorites. Tell me three books you love. Okay. Well, so I also know this is very cliche, but this was like choosing a favorite child. (laughs) Uh, I've gone back and forth. I've made so many lists and crossed out and added on, but here goes. I decided to pick three more current reads because Uh if I looked over my whole life, that was going to be truly impossible. So I chose three that I've read probably within the last year or so. Excellent. What's the first one? So the first is A Window Opens by Elizabeth Egan. Egan, I think it's how you pronounce her name. I'm actually not sure I've heard it out loud. That sounds good to me. Close enough. I am dying to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. I read it last fall and I have opinions. Okay. But they're not everyone's opinions. Interesting. So it's a current book. It came out in the fall 2015, did it not? I think so. I'm not, I'm a little, yeah, I think so. Very beautiful, eye-catching cover. Yes. Okay, tell us what's on the inside. So the inside is the story of Alice Pierce, who is a New Jersey mom. She has three kids, and when the book opens, she's working part-time, but her husband loses his job, so she needs to go back to work full-time. And... On the surface, this is the story, that classic working mom, stay-at-home mom, how to balance your life story. And when I first heard it described, I thought that I wouldn't like it, interestingly, because, you know, that's gotten a little over-talked about, I feel like, at my stage of life. But I found that There were times when I was reading where I thought that Egan might be sitting at Starbucks with me, or maybe she had come to the gym with me and was writing about me behind my back, (laughs) because this was my community, and I almost felt like I could pick out characters from my peer group, which I think may have made the book all the more interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I also was jealous of her world being right in 
the book world so closely. First, she was working in a bookstore, and then she, her full-time job, she ends up working for a company that she thinks is going to be the next best thing in books and literature, and things turn a little sour, but I won't give too much away. But it seems like a life that would be really cool to have. So I did not like this book, and here's why. So we have a protagonist in the sandwich generation dealing with young children and aging parents. That's right. Yes. And they're very issues. high yeah. needs in the specific um, circumstance at the same time. We have work-life balance going on and we have, um, you know, the book industry and what's supposed to be a relatable, real, I guess she's 30 something, maybe very early forties woman. Yes. So yeah, you're right. This topic has been done and done and done and done. Like I'm tired of reading about work-life balance and women having <laughs> yes. it all. However, it's not been done well in fiction. So I was very hopeful to see this covered in fiction. And I found maybe this is a case of high expectations, but I found it unsatisfying the way the story played out. It felt a little um, like the circle to me, like a little too, like it wasn't trying to be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't trying to be satire, but it was right. leaning that way. And I felt like it couldn't decide which, oh, which, interesting. which side of the fence it wanted to land on. And it was just so uh, neat and tidy. Like it was very wrapped yeah. up with a bow. And some people yeah. love that in your books. Well, and it's interesting because I don't typically. And now as you're talking, I'm thinking about other books that I've liked just based on knowing the location. And mm -hmm. so now I'm wondering if this book was set somewhere else, mm -hmm. I might've felt more like you do. I wonder. Because you're not, you could really see yourself, I imagine, as the woman living in Northern New Jersey, yes. commuting into the city. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the other hand, I totally can see how you would love it. And I've loved many books that maybe were not objectively five-star material, Correct. but I resonated so strongly with a character that I feel like it reflects my own life back to me in a way that I can relate to, but yes. also it also, it gives me like a more objective lens of my own life. So I find it very entertaining and very helpful, you know, just to see your own life from a slightly different angle if you're trying to get over a hump or yes. do some troubleshooting. So I can see how a lot of people would connect to this book in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I like it when we don't necessarily agree. It puts a whole new spin on it. Oh, well, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you come on. Not, well, our taste, I really resonated with your taste. And that's yeah. not every listener because we're looking to include a wide variety of listeners. Yeah. But I love that you chose a book that I hated because that does really help <laughs> readers see the importance of not only finding good books, but understanding that good book is a very, like, what's a good book for you? That's the question. Yeah, very subjective. So, and listeners that Stacy filled out a form to come on at what should I read next podcast.com slash guest. So that's what I'm referring to. So pick interesting books yeah. and your odds of getting on the show are much better. Well, and, and now I'm curious to keep going because I think we disagree on some others too. So anyway, we do. Well, let's find yes. out what's book two. <laughs> so book two, I know we agree on book two is before the fall and I love thrillers. I'm I tend to alternate between a thriller and something else uh -huh. because I just love that mystery and the fast page turning. So, oh, so it sounds like that is a lot of thrillers for you if you yes. alternate. Uh -huh. I, do, I almost, I realized as I was going through my list, I almost always alternate. However, thrillers are not normally, 
I have a hard time finding a thriller that I would necessarily put on my favorite books of all time list. Mm -hmm. I find they're not always as well written necessarily. I'm really reading for plot with those Mm -hmm. and not so much the language piece. So Before the Fall, I felt like was a perfect match of well-written, fast-paced, good characters. And I loved it. So it's the story of a plane crash. And that's the only reason I was hesitant to read is that I am a very anxious flyer. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid this was going to make it worse. And I have not flown since I read it. So it might. But (laughs) okay, I have to repeat myself and say that um, I recommended this to someone on a recent episode. And oh, it was to Kendra Adachi. Okay. uh, The episode that was books that are so good, you'll want to turn off the TV, even if you really love TV. So I told her on that episode how I started reading that book. It was an advanced copy on my Kindle. So you can't like look at the jacket and the cover and get a feel for it. You just have a very bare bones digital file. So I was on an airplane at on the ascent when I got to the... I I am so serious. (gasps) So, and I don't love to fly. So then I... I got to the sentence that said, he didn't yet know that 16 minutes in, the plane would crash into the ocean. And I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Do I have some Emily Giffen on this thing? Like, this is not going to work. Did you keep reading? No, 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 I did not. (laughs) So there was a time and a place for that book. And I did pick it up when I was firmly back on the ground. But no, don't read this on an airplane. Absolutely not. But do read it. So it's the story of a private jet that crashes 16 minutes after takeoff, there is a very wealthy family from Martha's Vineyard who has invited friends and an acquaintance onto the plane and they're flying back and the plane crashes and a relatively unknown painter named Scott Burroughs survives as does the four-year-old son of the plane's owner. And Scott through some sort of bizarre but interesting ways, is an amazing swimmer. And so he is able to swim himself and the boy back to shore. And the rest of the story alternates between the present and looking into the pasts of all of the passengers. And it quickly becomes clear that this may not have been an accident. So the rest of the book is spent trying to figure out what happened to the plane. And I think I heard someone say, or read somewhere that what was great about this book was that it was a thriller. It was a mystery all the way through. The ending was very satisfying, but it was not necessarily that crazy twist that a lot of these books have had recently. It was just a very satisfying story and resolution, I thought. Okay, don't hate. Well, it's interesting when we disagree, right? Oh, you don't agree? However, I had just (laughs) finished reading three, um, two thrillers and one... um, dramatic novel that it all resolved in a very similar way and I was like again oh interesting however if that had been my first one maybe I would have felt differently so I this would be an amazing book club pick because you know listen to us there's lots to talk we could talk about this for the next 20 minutes but we might bore everybody else so we won't (laughs) okay so that's before the fall I don't think we said that's by Noah Hawley oh I'm sorry right who also wrote Um, or is somehow involved, I'm not sure if you wrote it, but somehow involved in the uh, TV show Fargo, which I have not seen. But I thought that was interesting because you can see this becoming a movie. Oh, easily, easily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the screenwriter for Fargo. He is, okay. And he's pulled down about a bazillion awards for his, his previous professional efforts. 
Oh, interesting. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Book three. Let's see if we can continue oh. our um, she said, she said role. <laughs> well, and now I'm nervous because... No, no, don't like, be nervous. I think this is amazing. Oh, no. I, I'm actually nervous because I can't now I have to choose the last one oh, which is that you totally one have to choose. is going to be sitting not on the list. So, OK, I'm going to choose the one in a million boy. OK. And I'm trying to think of how best to describe this. This is a book. And Just be careful, because I don't like a lot of people will or will not pick it up, depending on what you're about to say. Well, exactly. Uh-huh. So. I think everyone should pick it up because this is a book that I would not have picked up were it not. And for your recommendation, this is one of, or actually the first book in and summer reading club. Is that what it's called? And correct me. I think that's what it's called. Okay. But this is what I've said over and over again too. Like I never would have picked this book up. This just goes to the power of a good recommendations. So yes. I was at the novel neighbor bookstore in St. Louis, Missouri. It's in Webster's Grove right outside St. Louis. And it's like 10 minutes from the zoo. So, um, and I know the owner, Holland Saltzman, and you all should go. It's a fabulous little store. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, so what's the best thing you've read lately? And she put this in my hands and said, you know, this. And I said, great. And I slapped it on the counter <laughs> and handed over my money and got back to the hotel that night and cracked it open and read the inside jacket and went, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, huh, I wouldn't have picked this up. But, but I started reading and was like, oh, this is, this is good. This yeah. is good stuff. Yeah. So I felt exactly the same way and trust you explicitly. So I said, okay, let's keep going. Even though it's the story of a young boy who is matched with a 104-year-old woman to do a scout project, a Boy Scout project, and they become friends. And it's the story really of their relationship and the boy's relationship with his family. And it is much slower paced than what I usually read. And I do sometimes wonder if it had not been a book club pick, if I would have read it as quickly as I did. And I think if I had read it more slowly, I might not have liked it. Does that make sense? I I think there are some books where if I read them just in the little tiny chunks, you don't get pulled in to the characters the same way as you do if you read more quickly. So I I was glad that I had a deadline for this one. And what I really was amazed by was the author's use of words. I kept underlining and underlining. I was originally using little sticky notes just to mark pages. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was putting so many sticky notes in that my book got too thick. So I had to start underlining. And I'm not usually an underliner because I read faster than that usually. And I tend to get frustrated if I'm underlining too much. It's, it's, I feel like it's taking too long to read. So Mm -hmm. I stop. But I couldn't I couldn't not underline because mm-hmm. there were so many phrases that I just wanted to be able to have and to look back on. I just thought the writing was beautiful. Well, that's really interesting. And tell me if you agree with this or not. So I thought the same thing. I thought the way she used language was amazing. But when yep. I hear people say the way she used language was amazing, I imagine like very flowery um yes. stereotypical MFA writing. Like yes very um, self-conscious words for words sake. And in this book, I felt like the writing was just perfect for the characters and, you know, just the little turns of phrases and the way she captured ideas, but it wasn't show offy. 
So no. even though I might be like, oh, wow, that was really well said. It's the same way where you're like, good one to your friend when they like talk yeah. about quip real quick. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, let me absorb the words of Lord Byron. Yes. No, absolutely. Because I will say usually beautiful language is almost a turnoff for me because right, it right, tells right. me it's going to be a slow story and I don't like a slow story. Right. And that's why I want to make the difference. Like we're, we're, yes. say, we're trying to compliment the book. We're not trying to make you <laughs> no. go, oh, yawn. That's exactly. too serious for me. <laughs> You're so, so right. Because usually and, that, that is not a compliment. <laughs> I don't mean that at all as a put down. It's just, it's not that kind of book. No, no, not at all. It's not the kind of book where you're like, it's almost poetry. This is not that. Okay. Well, that is very interesting. It makes me want to make a list and hear everybody else's lists of the books that they never would have picked up if they'd known more about the book that ended up just like, how could I have lived without reading this? Yeah. Okay. Stacey, what are you reading right now? Right now, uh, well, I just finished One in a Million Boy last night Mm -hmm. and I started Modern Lovers. Yes. Which I, I literally did what I talked about. I literally read two pages of it last night before I could fall asleep. So I don't even feel that I can give a summary. I chose it as I'm part of the book of the month club mm-hmm. and it was one of the selections. Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid I might have to go to you if you've read it for a summary because I am not sure how I would summarize it. I've read it. Okay. And we'll, um, and not very long ago, because it just came, I didn't. It did. Yeah. It's trying so hard to get my hands on this early for the summer reading guide, but I failed. It wouldn't have made it in though. So it just came out, I think okay. May 31st. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was my book of the month order. And then I happened to get a library copy on like June 1st and, oh. and switched to, I don't know, the Enchanted Islands, maybe. Is that a book? Ooh, it's got a really know. pretty tropical cover, whatever it is. And I haven't okay. read it yet. Okay. Anything else you're reading right now you want to toss in the in the ring? Well, and actually, I'm always fascinated when I listen to your other guests. I almost always have to read one book at a time. If I am reading multiple books, I end up not finishing any of them. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I think it's really important to know as a reader what works for you. Yeah. So if you know that when you read, when you attempt to read six books at once, you finish none, well, don't try to read six books at once. Exactly. And and it's frustrating to me because I I do try often because there are so many books in the world Mm -hmm. that I feel like I need to be reading more than one, Mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't work for me. Well, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And I think it's great that you know that. Want a confidence boost? Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. Get gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at $22. This is game-changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon without the time or expense. At Madison Reed, master colorists blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. What should I read next listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with the code READ. Use the code READ, R-E-A-D, at madison-reed.com. Readers, if you love What Should I Read Next, you're going to love being part of our Patreon community. That's where we share bonus episodes, including follow-ups with previous guests, interesting conversations that were cut for time reasons, and one great book style episodes where I tell you all about recent reads that I adore. In addition to the extra audio, you get access to our super secret spreadsheet vault with the full list of all the books guests love and my three recommendations from every episode in an easy-to-search format. And on occasion, we get together live online for Ask Us Anything style conversations and events like our 90-minute fall book preview and summer reading guide unboxing. 
Join for all these perks and to be part of the community behind What Should I Read Next. Go to patreon.com slash what should I read next. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what should I read next to become a member today. Patreon.com slash what should I read next. Okay, Stacey. Change of gears. Yes. Let's hear one book that you didn't love. I do not like The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Which has been, I'm not sure if that specific title, but I know some of her titles have been on the favorite section. So here's the crazy part. I admire Gretchen Rubin so much. And there are times I say I'd like to be Gretchen Rubin when I grow up because this woman has found a topic that she's passionate about. She spent tons of time researching it, writing about it, talking about it. This is what I want out of my life. I think it was amazing that she did this. And I love Better Than Before, which is her next title. Uh And I quote it all the time. I go back and read parts of it. I've talked to my husband about how it relates to our marriage. Love Better Than Before. Uh The Happiness Project frustrated me because I felt like she must have just been a naturally happy person, which sounds really petty, but I felt like I think these are just really practical tips that she's throwing out there. Mm -hmm. And even though it was research-based, but I felt like it's not that simple, some of the things that she was suggesting. And in all other ways, and I find this some when I, whenever I try to read self-help, I get frustrated in that the ideas seem so obvious that do we need a whole book about it? Interesting. Um, you are not alone in that criticism. There were major news publications that said about the same thing, like, oh, great, privileged woman goes in search of, you know, <laughs> a marginally better life. How I did really like the Happiness Project. So would you have felt differently about it if she'd sa- called it something other than happier? <laughs> like if maybe. you were better able to live out the intentions you have for your life? Yes, maybe. Maybe it was the title. And it's interesting because when you said that criticism about a privileged white woman, I loved Eat, Pray, Love uh-huh. and have defended that book to people who have said, oh, well, it's all about her. And it's all about this woman who was already pretty successful becoming more successful. Uh How did you defend it? And I haven't read that one, but I think I understand the gist. You haven't read Eat, Pray, Love? I have not. (gasps) I know. I actually think I read that book twice and I'm not a rereader. Once for you and once for me. So So I still mean to get there, but no, I haven't read it. So (laughs) so when you, so if I were to say, come on, Stacey, really? Eat, Pray, Love? What would you say back to me? I would say that it's a book about a woman who writes about herself because it's a memoir. So it is by nature, her story. Mm-hmm. And I truly thought that she improved herself over that period of time. She learned a lot. She taught us what she learned. I felt like I traveled vicariously through her, which is great because I'm not going to be able to give up a year of my mm-hmm. life and you know, travel. So I, yeah, I loved it. But it's funny, a lot of, when I think about Eat, Pray, Love and the Happiness Project, a lot of the complaints that I have about the Happiness Project are what other people have about Eat, Pray, Love. I'd never thought about that. Interesting. Well, and I think it really matters to you, the lens you're reading it through and what you're seeking to get out of it. Because with the Happiness Project, I think I've read all her books, all her recent books twice. It's, 
it's very, I resonated enough with what she said. And I think we are enough alike. And I mean, Gretchen Rubin and me, even though I don't really think I'm an upholder, like she talks all the time about being, um, mm -hmm. but I might be, I don't know. I can see it both ways, which is another personality thing. I, our viewpoints were similar enough that I found many of her insights to be very easy to borrow and incorporate in my own life. So I really appreciate, it just felt very practical and useful to me. Like it, the time spent with the book, like I felt like it really gave me a payoff and yes. that's going to make me see the value in the book. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. No. So how was better than before different for you than the happiness project? Cause I feel like they're very similar, but I'm not reading it through your eyes. So I think a lot about the time of life in which you're reading a book and how that impacts your reaction to it. Oh, and so I'm true. wondering, because I read The Happiness Project a long time ago, mm -hmm. and I was at such a different time of my life. So I'm wondering if that was it. I, I the, the better than before, I'm an obliger mm -hmm. through and through. Mm -hmm. I, if there is an external expectation, I will meet it. I have a very hard time meeting is internal the word she uses. I'm not sure. But when, when someone else is expecting me to do something, I will do it 100% of the time. If mm -hmm. I have told myself that something has to be done by such and such a date, I have a harder time with it. And I loved knowing that about myself and understanding that that meant, you know, I did have to go to a gym where I had to sign up for a class ahead of time so that mm -hmm. I would actually show up and those types of things I found easier to apply her strategies as they related to my personality type. Okay. So you could see yourself in better than before and then be like, oh, thank you for these 50 ways to put this into practice today. Yeah. And I wonder if I went back and read the happiness project and thought of it as an obliger as opposed, uh -huh. I wonder, it might be, it might be all different. Uh -huh. Well, I am definitely not trying to talk you out of your, yeah. <laughs> your book for this category. Uh, though I definitely think it's interesting how we approach different books at different times. However, we also do have different tastes and there are perfectly yes. wonderful books that will not be to our taste. And that's really useful information when you're trying to pick your next read. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Excellent. Now, Stacy, I, I have ideas for you. Oh, okay. first, tell me if there's anything you want to be different in your reading life, because I need help narrowing this down. Okay, yes, actually, two big things. Mm -hmm. One is I would love to get better. I, I mentioned that I always read at night, and I'm having a harder time during the day. Mm -hmm. During the day, I find that if I have 10 minutes, I somehow feel like that's not enough time to sit down with a book, and I am getting sucked into Facebook. Ooh, okay. And I would love to do a better job of reading in my snippets of time. So that's one big thing. Okay. And the other, and this may throw you for a loop with your recommendations. Okay. I, as I said, I'm reading a lot of thrillers and I'm alternating with almost exclusively realistic fiction. Uh -huh. I used to read historical fiction uh -huh. and I used to enjoy historical fiction and somehow that has fallen totally off my radar. And I have never had great luck reading nonfiction. Okay. And so there's a part of me that wants to incorporate those genres a little bit more, mm -hmm. but there's also a part of me that would just love to know what great realistic fiction and thrillers you would recommend. So I just want you to know that when listeners come on and say, oh, it was so hard for me to choose three books. Yeah. Sometimes it's just as hard for me to choose three <laughs> books in return. I can see that. It's a, it's a problem born of abundance. So of course it's a great problem to have, but oh man, it's still hard <laughs> to leave those other titles on the table. 
Definitely. Okay. Well, I cannot wait to hear what you think of my picks. Not that I know what those are going to be at the moment, but we'll (laughs) ask some questions and figure it out. Okay, great. And I just, yeah, I'm so excited to hear more. All right. I'm excited. Okay. I have so many questions because I really think I could rattle off 20 titles that you would enjoy, (laughs) but I want to narrow it down to three books you'll love that really fill those goals for what you want to read right now. Okay. Okay. So here are the themes I'm noticing and you can tell me either total coincidence, I don't care at all, or (laughs) yes, let's pursue that line of reasoning. We have a whole lot of New York City in your titles. On purpose, not on purpose. So before the Um, fall, totally New York City. A window opens, New York City. The Happiness Project, New York City. Total coincidence. I grew up in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. and I still consider myself a New Englander. Mm -hmm. I thought I did at least. So (laughs) total coincidence. Now, there are a whole lot of novels set in New York City and nonfiction books. Um, The One in a Million Boy is Maine, if anybody else is wondering. Oh, Modern Lovers, New York City. Oh, yeah. So that's very uh, interesting. Okay. Okay. And then these are the big themes I'm pulling out, even in your nonfiction, even in your current read. Um, we have work, love, money, and friendship with underlying mysteries going on, whether it's a mystery of why am I doing what I do with before the fall, so much money, so much oh. work, so many family entanglements. And with that underlying mystery, like what actually several underlying mysteries, you know, the big one with like what happened in the plane, but other underlying ones in the individual characters lives. You have a lot of well-developed characters. Um, You have That's not a coincidence. I uh definitely like that. Yeah. I noticed that you picked books that are all objectively the ones that go on independent bookstores. Like we love this tables, you know, the ones where the writing is either amazing or quirky or like we have a lot of big, titles of 2015 and 2016 here. Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of love with a tinge of sadness or sometimes a lot of sadness. We yeah. have a lot of angsty relationships. You're right. Mm-hmm. And then by design, you picked all contemporary novels. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was intentional. Stacy, how do you feel about biographical fiction? That fiction that takes a famous character's life, famous character of history and novelizes it. I like that a lot. Excellent. Okay. Here's our book one. It is The Swans of Fifth Avenue by Melanie Benjamin. What do you know about it? Absolutely nothing. Have you ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. Okay. This is from the author of The Aviator's Wife. Is that something you're familiar with? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So here is the deal with The Swans of Fifth Avenue. This is a fictionalized account of New York City in the 1950s. Uh, Truman Capote, the socialite Babe Paley, and um, the other swans, these um, wealthy, beautiful ladies who lunch that mm-hmm. he drew to him. So what happened in real life was that these women, I, would, I think you'd say these women, especially Babe, took Truman under their wing, but I guess you could mm-hmm. put it the other way around. Um So total larger than life personality explodes onto the scene in New York City in the 50s. And Babe Paley and her circle of swans just um, reel him in like he becomes one of the girls. And that is totally in his words, not mine. Years later, Truman Capote writes this devastating 
quote unquote fiction, but everybody knows it's really not about these women. So at some point, the circle of tight friends turns into something else. Oh, this book document, well, imagines, but it's heavily based in fact, what that arc looks like. So it's thoroughly of its time and place, historical fiction based in reality. So you have, you have, um, love and money. You have friendships that sometimes go horribly awry and you have New York city and your historical fiction. How does that sound to you? Sounds perfect. Excellent. And I love hearing a title I've never heard before. That's that's exciting. Yes, definitely. But it's still within the realm of the adjacent possible. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like I recommended a biology handbook. That sounds great. Okay. So I am taking your request at face value. And now we are going to do nonfiction. Okay. Book two is Love and Other Ways of Dying by Michael Paternity. Have you read it or anything by him? No. Okay. So I only knew paternity before this work because he wrote The Telling Room, which has a very long subtitle involving um, love, betrayal, revenge, and the world's greatest piece of cheese. So it's this (laughs) fabulous foodie um, Catalonian journey into history and cheese making and wine and rural Spain. It's just, it's So it's all over the place and really, really interesting. Okay, but you haven't read it, so that doesn't really matter. So Love and Other Ways of Dying is a collection of essays and short fiction. Um, It's Some of them are, they're strange. Like this is very, it's a diverse collection. So um, in one essay, he drives across America with Albert Einstein's brain in the trunk of his rental car. (laughs) That's is a nonfiction piece, believe it or not. Wow. Um, He goes to visit a very famous chef who's cooking, what's the word? I think it's molecular gastronomy. Is that the right phrase? I I don't don't know. In Spain, I believe, and uh, explores the restaurant and his meal there in detail. Very, very interesting. And in my favorite piece, he imagines the aftermath of a plane crash off the coast of Nova Scotia, a plane that was bound for Geneva, and imagines um, the invisible threads that people can't see that bound these people together, that led them to be on this plane in the first place, what their loved ones experienced for days, months, even years afterwards. I was yeah. I was terrified to read that piece, but yes. it was hands down my favorite. So you get a little of everything. You get really strong writing. I This book made for, I think it came out in 2015. It made some of the uh, major roundups. Like I think it was long listed for the National Book Award. But it, okay. the place I really saw it was over and over again on the, we can't believe this book didn't get more love list at the end of the year. Like the best overlooked books of 2015. Oh, interesting. So it was recognized for being, because you pick so many books that are, books that the industry has recognized as being good. Yeah. That's what I mean when I'm trying to say that. Yeah. So how does that sound to you? It sounds really interesting. And I love that I would never pick that up on my own, but when you describe it, I'm excited to read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. So I said, I wasn't going to ask you any more questions, but I take it back. So <laughs> I'm debating between a thriller and a 
contemporary novel that is money, friendship in New York City? Let's do the thriller. It's summer. So I really like like that genre, especially in the summer. Well, you know, maybe you've read it and you'll get two for the price of one. Oh, so I have in mind The Expats by Chris Pavone. Have Uh, you read it? I have not read it. Have you heard of it? I have heard of the author, Uh but I don't think I've read anything by him. And I definitely have not read Expats. Okay. So this is a debut novel, which is interesting because it's I, I've shared my thoughts on debut novels before. Uh, you know, you love them unless you don't. Yep. Um, okay, so here's what made me pick this one for you. It is a thriller. So you have that, you know, that page turning, what happens next, you know, like trying to puzzle out the, it's a spy novel in this case. But I also picked this because it deals with work-like balance in a way you wouldn't expect. Okay. So you don't really expect that in a spy novel, right? No. But what you have is a um, a man and a woman. Well, they're a married couple who moves from the United States to Luxembourg. And the backstory here is that Pavone himself moved to Luxembourg with his wife's job. So he was writing what he knew. But okay. minus the like copious diapers involved in taking care of their twin sons, plus <laughs> a whole lot of guns and intrigue. So that's how he <laughs> described his writing process. Okay, so a woman moves to Luxembourg with her husband because of his job and very quickly faces this crisis of identity because I gave my work up for him. I don't know what Mm. to do with myself. And I used to be a spy. So like my (laughs) pace of life just dialed way dramatically down. But she can't just tamp down those like well-honed instincts. So her um, learned work behaviors keep kind of bubbling to the surface in ways that uh, in ways that drive the plot forward. Let's put it like that. How does that sound to you? It sounds really interesting. Okay. All right. So we have historical fiction, non uh, nonfiction fiction fiction, um, combo deal and your thriller. What great choices. Excellent. Stacy, what do you think you'll read next? I think I will read The Swans of Fifth Avenue first, because as I was thinking about this, it has really been an awfully long time since I read anything not set in present day. So that sounds exciting. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thanks so much for having me, Anne. This was really fun. Oh, it was my pleasure. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stacy. Please head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for what Stacy should read next. That page is at what should I read next podcast.com slash 29. That's the numerals two nine. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Don't forget, sign up for the what should I read next newsletter at what should I read next podcast.com slash newsletter. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.